Welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. Featuring sysadmin expert Don Pizzette, DevOps engineer Justin Dennison, security specialist Daniel Lowry, and Peter. Hello and welcome to Technado with Don Pizzette. I'm your host, Peter Van Rysdam, joined by the whole crew today. We've got uh, Don Pizzette in here. Don, how are you doing? I am doing great. Excited for another Technado. Is it warm in here, Don? Or is it just me? We're in the same room, but we're across because social distancing. We're like a solid 20 feet yeah. social distance, the way I like it. <laughs> uh, Justin, can we borrow your fan? <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, how's it going in there? Nice and cool? Uh, it's pretty good right now, but uh, we'll see because, I mean, these lights are on full sun mode. Um, I and, thought that was just your skin radiating. This is like a weather report. Let's check in with the weather. Yeah. With, uh, uh, and how's it well, in your neck of the woods, Daniel? Well, oh. the ginger report says it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's too hot and too bright. Yeah. How's Forecast. it going up there, Daniel? It's good. The forecast is heat with a spot of heat, a little more sunshine, and sunburns expected. Perfect. Well, I think uh, we have a guest that's also joining us from somewhere very hot. Uh, we have uh, Lee McWhorter here. Uh, Lee, how you doing? We're doing good, and yeah, it's definitely hot here in Austin. You're in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah. Fantastic. Beautiful. In fact, it's so hot, you would say that between Texas and Florida, we are hot spots. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> <That's great>. Disease. <laughs> we're trying to, try to steer away from that stuff, but yeah, we're... Uh, I, yeah, I'm not actually going to leave this room, but... I thought you were, yeah, <laughs> perfect Wi-Fi. You just get some DoorDash deliveries? Just... Yeah, yeah. Also, y'all going to need to change out this bucket. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, uh, Lee, are you regretting being on the show yet? No, I'm not regretting it at all. <laughs> Give it to so My connection uh, stays solid enough to get through it. Challenge accepted. So, Lee, <laughs> we actually met you, uh, or a few of us uh, met you, Don and, and Daniel, at the uh, CompTIA. Uh, Channel uh, ConnellCon event yeah. last year in Vegas, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool because we got a chance to meet Lee and uh, everybody was talking about the CompTIA certs that he holds because, Lee, you, you hold one or two certs, right? Yeah, a few. A uh, pretty much all of them, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah, going down the LinkedIn, it's like, all right, keep scrolling, scrolling. <laughs> well, let's uh, we're, we're going to jump right in then in our first segment with rapid fire questions because we definitely get into that. So So let's hit it. Who do you work for? What's new? Who are you? What's happening? What's wrong with you? All right, Lee, this is our rapid fire question segment. You got 45 seconds to a minute to answer each question. If you go over time, Peter's going to buzz you. We're going to move on and cut you off from there. And Peter's going to take our first question. All right, so Lee, I, I'm told that, that you have all the CompTIA certifications. First of all, is that, is that correct? I have all the current CompTIA certifications. Well, that's all you that can have, really, right? Got them in a year. There's a few people who have some older ones like Mobility Plus, Healthcare, or whatever that don't exist anymore. And the only one I don't have right now is the new data science cert they're working on. And I'll be getting that as soon as they put it in beta as fast as I can. So my question on that is, what, is that, is that uh, just because all of those apply to what you do or because, you know, you had most of them and said, let me just go ahead and knock these last couple out? Well, actually, it's it's. I wanted to teach the pen test plus train the trainer for CompTIA and I had been teaching CompTIA stuff for a long time, but I hadn't actually gotten the certs. And so when I got the certs to teach that, then it just became a Pokemon thing and I had to get them all. So I continued <laughs> on and got them all. So I noticed in your bio, you have this, this saying from boardroom to server room or from server room to boardroom. If money was no object, where would you work or, or what would you do and why? Well, you know, I'm fortunate enough that I get to do a big element of what I like to do the most and what I've done a lot in my life, which is teach, just like you folks. Uh, I love the light bulb moment when you explain something and somebody gets it, and especially the empowering ability of teaching to change people's lives. So I've always liked to teach. I, I love that that's a big part of what I do in my current job and, and what I do with CompTIA. So I love to teach. Now, Lee, you have each and every one of the current CompTIA certification. So that means you've got a skill set that crosses all over IT. You're a bit of an IT generalist. So one of the challenges that uh, students have, and, and they you know, ask me this pretty frequently, is, Don, how do, you, how do you stay up to date on technologies? How do you learn the new stuff? Now, for you, that's probably even harder because you cover so many areas. So how do you stay on top of what's new? Well, funny enough, just the motivation of getting in front of a classroom and having to teach and stay current keeps me current. I think if I just had a job and did the same thing, I might get comfortable. But 
I constantly am reading new material. I'm constantly working, especially to be honest, the CompTIA stuff helps now because as they upgrade things and I need to upgrade and take the new certs. And so it just keeps me in a loop of, you know, staying on top of it, but I'm definitely afraid of being embarrassed of not knowing what's going on in the classroom. So my students motivate me to stay up and stay ahead of them at least. I love the idea that, um, it's the fear of public ridicule is really what pushes you. It's not the passion for IT. It's just, yeah. I don't want to look foolish. Oh, I love IT. No. no, I love IT. But no, yeah, there is a, a part of that. There, yeah. There's the carrot and the stick, right? Hey, totally understand that that right there. Uh, that being said, in addition to being a CompTIA trainer, uh, you're also the CTO and Director of Cybersecurity Training and Services at Covered 6. Could you tell us a little bit more about Covered 6? Absolutely. Covered 6 is a very unique veteran-founded, veteran-run, and veteran-focused um, security company. We're very high-end and vertically integrated in all the areas that we operate. We are the Department of Labor National Standard for Physical Security and Cybersecurity, so we help veterans transition into those fields, and we also offer services in those areas. So we, we guard fancy things and fancy people and rockets, actually, and things in aerospace. So it's a pretty cool uh, place to be that brings together uh, my leadership experience as well as getting to teach. That's fantastic. I know we uh, we've talked to a lot of people on the show before who who are veterans, and uh, it's interesting to hear how their uh, you know their time in the service has, has helped prepare them. So that's great that you're helping with that uh, transition. So uh, I have a question for you. Uh, you're next week going to be um, on our show, Spin It to Win It, which is kind of like the uh, Wheel of Fortune style uh, game show. Uh, what are you doing to prepare yourself for that? Um, probably sleeping a lot less and reviewing back through the CompTIA exam objectives. I assume that these are going to be semi, since it's a CompTIA themed contest, that uh, that will be some good preparation for me. And so make sure that anything I don't recognize right off, I take a little time to research and review and play with. Uh, haven't been given the scope of the spin it to win it, so I've kind of got a broad remit there to study. So I'm going to do the best I can. It's okay. I write all the questions and none of them have to do with tech. Yeah, now we have to change. I was going to say, do we have to change? I'm ready. It's just trivia. Let's go. Okay. Which vegetable has a higher beta carotene content? Oh, tough ones. Okay, I like that. No, I think uh, think the hardest. Can I buy a C? The hardest thing we ever had was uh, Cheryl Sandberg, Sandberg, where it got all the way to, I think, one letter left, or where all the letters picked. Let's put Lee on the spot. Lee, do you know who Cheryl Sandberg is? Uh, If I remember correctly, Facebook. Yes. Wow. Wow. All right. Yeah, you know what, Lee? You're disqualified. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to go ahead and make an executive decision right now. He's not allowed to play because if you know Cyril Sandberg, then uh, you're I, smarter no, than the rest of us. I, I think you're looking at it wrong. He's not great for knowing that. You're disappointing, Justin, for not knowing who she is. That's an alternative uh, fact no, that we no, don't agree with. No, that's not true, Peter, uh, because uh, – I still don't know who she is, and we say her name all the time. Did, did no one buy you her book after that? Uh, absolutely not. And if they did, I threw it away. We, we should make Lee's name. Well, let's make Lee's name one of the puzzles. Yeah. Let's see, <laughs> see if he gets his own name. Well, it, it's, it's, yeah, it's a little interesting spelling, so people might get a little confused. Like there's an M and a C and a W all right next to each other. I'm it's all... funny because the answer to the puzzle will be staring at them the entire game. <laughs> it's... Yeah, hmm. Hmm. it's tricky. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Well, that is uh, that is Friday, July thirty first at uh, two Eastern time. Um, all you have to do is just be uh, even a free member of IT Pro TV, and you can watch that on the on air page. So check out Lee and, and Justin will be hosting that, and uh, and a couple other guests. Uh, do, do we have one of the entertainers playing, Justin? Do you know? Uh, I do not think so. I think we all have uh, special guests. And fantastic. That would is that a week? So the thirty first. That's two weeks from now, right? Yes. My okay. I was just making sure because maybe I misheard you. I thought no, you I said a week, and then I was like, uh, hold on. I don't have <laughs> you a don't suit. know when people are watching this. Yeah, this is true. Could be July 30th. Yeah. Tomorrow. Tomorrow. <laughs> uh, for you. Also, yeah. we can't play. Exactly. Not anymore. After, not no. after Daniel's no. performance. Uh, all right. Well, let's uh, shift gears now and, uh, and let Lee help us out with our next segment where we try to figure out who got pwned. Looks like you're about to get pwned. Fatality. Yeah! All right, so our article this week comes from ZDNet. Home router warning. They're riddled with known flaws and run ancient uh, unpatched Linux. 
and there are no routers in the study from the, oh gosh, Fraunhofer Institute without known security flaws. I know we've covered a lot before about specific flaws for specific routers that have come up, but this is basically saying, hey, we looked at them all and, and they're all horrible. So Don, uh, what do we do as, as home internet users? Just stop it. a fire. Well, you know, the, the piece of advice that a lot of people get is you need to be updating your firmware, right? Update the firmware of your router. There's security fixes being put out all the time. And what the FKIE did, and that's the uh, organization that put on the study. A much better way to say that. Yeah, I know. I'm not going to try and pronounce German. <laughs> uh, but they studied 127 different home routers. And what they found was across the board, even if you were really diligent about keeping your firmware up to date, that the majority of them had significant security vulnerabilities. And those ranged from just not getting standard updates. And most of them ran Linux. And there's Linux kernel security updates are released all the time, but the routers weren't getting those updates. Many of them hadn't received an update in over a year. Some hadn't received an update in as many as five years. So even if you were vigilant, you still had a vulnerable piece of hardware. And a ton of them had private keys stored on the router. In fact, I think they said all but one model or one company, uh, which was a company I'd never even heard of, uh, had private keys stored in one form or another in the firmware on the router. So just not a good sign here. So the answer to who got pwned this week is going to be everyone who has a home router. <laughs> which is I, everyone. I just assume that they're insecure. That way I set up my spam server and my torrent servers and just spit out all kinds of garbage and hopefully none of my regular traffic's seen. Is that an valid approach to obfuscation? Security? I figured yeah. it was a perfect honeypot platform. <laughs> <laughs> Just stick some malware in a file on the FTP site on uh, most of these things and yeah, see yeah. who downloads it. Yeah. Like, the, scary in here? Part, the, Go scary ahead. Part, the scary part to me is that this is the way the routers have been for a while. And to me, it's the big things coming, of course, is IoT, right? Internet of Things and 5G. And so if we can't even keep the routers updated, how are we going to keep all that stuff updated? Because it's all running on the same kind of Linux kernels. And many of those are consumer devices where they're not even thinking about patching, let alone having at least a patch once in a while. Lee, I'm going to need you to get out of here with all your logic. No, there's a, there's a simple <laughs> answer to that. We're not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There was a... Uh, there was a similar study done back in 2018. So it's been two years now. They repeated the study and things have not gotten any better. It looks like vendors are not really making a forward step. Uh, a lot of big names were mentioned in the study. Uh, companies like Netgear and uh, and a few others popped up. Uh, I think D-Link was another one. So not, not just little unknown names, but big names too. So it just shows that we can't necessarily trust the network gear that we have deployed on our networks anymore. We keep our workstations up to date. You know, we keep our laptops up to date. But what about your DVD player? What about all the other components like Lee mentioned? But your router is kind of the one you have to trust the most because it's directly exposed to the Internet, right? It's plugged into the WAN interface uh, that is your broadband or whatever else you're using. So it's at a higher degree of risk than any other device on your network. And this article specifically, you know, in the headline says home routers, but I mean, there's a lot of small businesses that just go to Best Buy and, and pick up a router. So, uh, you know, I got to think that this is uh, affecting businesses as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, the they mentioned like the Linksys WRT54GL, which is a really popular Linux-based uh, router. Uh, those can be used inside of businesses. Nothing says they can't, right? But most corporations at least go that extra step of getting a Cisco or Juniper router or somebody that is actively updating firmware and pushing security updates out. But the other thing is you typically see in a business environment where they don't use just a straight router, they use a firewall. And so the firewalls are usually way better in terms of security. And even if they aren't, they tend to block traffic from the outside coming in. So that gives them a little bit of an edge, even if there was a vulnerability on the firewall itself. So home users can always take that step of going and implementing a firewall too, but that's a little more than what your average home user is capable of doing. Are there are there any firewalls that you guys know of that are you know simpler, kind of designed for the the home user to, to just go and kind of plug and play? I, I found PFSense pretty easy. PFSense. Yeah, PFSense, I was going to say, those are the open source solution. I think people are going to have to put layered defenses in place just like businesses do though. Sadly, that's probably the only way to stop. And you can, you can set up a pretty easy seam with like a security onion, just grab an old laptop or something, throw a security onion. Yeah. Kind of, I, I will say some statistics. It's not too, not too difficult. I will say with like security onion, even with PF sense though, they do expect you to have a little bit of knowledge. They don't hold your hand. 
But there are solutions like Untangled, um, and there's the uh, Sophos. Sophos has a Internet Gateway XG something, I can't remember the name, where they actually do hold your hand. They're designed to be like wizard-driven, easy to use, so there are some. But most of your end users, if you think about your grandmother, you know they don't even know what a firewall is, better yet that they need one. Yeah, they light the router on fire. So what I'm hearing is I need to go ahead and get that LLC formed because things are about <laughs> to go sideways and then I'll be able to capitalize on everybody's mishaps, right? Yeah, and if you, you form an LLC, then you no longer have a home router, you're a business. Exactly. No one's <laughs> Even if set. it's the exact same router, yeah. I still reclassify Business it. router. <laughs> totally yeah. different. They'll, the hackers will come and go, oh, no, that's... It's a business. I yeah. can't do that. <laughs> Move also, along. he has a ridiculous amount me, of How many right? small businesses, though, do use those store-bought routers? If they are on business class, you know, Spectrum, Comcast, Time Warner, whatever, a lot of times, even the one they provide is not much better than that that you would get from Best Buy. Yeah, that's true. And I would think, you know, like, obviously, if you go to Starbucks, you're getting something higher end. But if you go to the local coffee shop, you know, are they just going out and purchasing something that uh, that's out there and, and then you're connecting to that network? So, you know, you're... Yeah. You're vulnerable even when you're out and about. That's and the broadband modems these days kill me because they always leave the wireless turned on on them, right? Because they want to build their global mesh network or whatever. So now you've got this Wi-Fi network that strangers can use right off of your own equipment. And that's, that's always frustrating. Yeah, I don't like that at all. Plus at uh, Starbucks, you're using my Wi-Fi pumpkin, so. <laughs> oh, is that uh, your pumpkin spice router? Is that's that it. you? My pumpkin spice <laughs> yeah. router. That's You're like, that's weird. That guy's just hanging out there yeah. with a bunch of equipment. Uh, just doing some experiments. It's fine. Also, Peter, is this your credit card number? <laughs> yeah. well, yes, it is. Yeah, look at that. Coffee's on me, everybody. <laughs> hey, uh, so Lee, I know um, you, you mentioned with you know, Secured Six, you're a, uh, a, a training provider, and I know a lot of what you do is actually on site, but uh, you know, how, how have things changed for you now with, with COVID? What are you guys doing to adjust to that? Well, we've had to adjust like everybody, right? We had to suffer through the lockdown where everything got shut down there for a while. We have started back in the classroom again, um, socially distant, so much smaller classes. But the biggest thing that's our current venture, and we've really seen it grow, we, we pivoted to doing a distance learning model where we have actually, even to TTA Plus, we're shipping boxes of equipment to our students so they can actually get hands-on. And um, it's gone really well, so well that we've had a couple first classes and we've actually started our second section of it, even as we continue to get back into the classroom slowly but surely. Hopefully the world will let us continue to do that, but if not, we'll keep doing the distance learning. It's working really well for us, actually. Fantastic. So if people want to, uh, you know, engage with you guys, you know, maybe there's there's people in the military uh, that are kind of uh, coming to the end of their uh, their commitment and they're interested, where would they where would they find you? Well, the easiest thing is our website is just www.covered, the word covered, six, the numeral, dot com. Um, and um, definitely um, we are open to anybody um, and available, you know, for any civilians or otherwise. But given our focus and our GI Bill approval, uh, veterans definitely would want to, if they're interested in either the physical security and slash executive protection level of uh, our vertical, if you will, or they're interested in IT cybersecurity, we have academies in all of those areas. And so you can find that information out at uh, covered6thenumeral.com. And we'll definitely put that in the description as well. And uh, so, Lee, I guess you're not, you don't have any CompTIA certs to go for right now. Is there anything that you're, uh, you're learning right now? Yeah, actually, um, for myself, I am uh, looking to finally add on the CISSP to my own portfolio. It's one I just never have picked up. Like, it took me years to finally pick up all the CompTIA. So I figure I might as well add that to my portfolio as well. I'm also, like I said, looking forward to um, the next, uh, I believe there's a couple certs in the sort of data science area that CompTIA has got in the works. I'm always looking for the next beta exam. We should be coming up on uh, Security Plus or Server Plus or something should be coming up in beta. I just took the CYSA beta not too long ago and we're finishing up the train the trainer right now. So there's always something to learn and stay up with. Definitely. And I know we won't, uh, you know, obviously see you physically at ChannelCon, but we're doing a, there's a virtual ChannelCon, correct? Yeah, it's all yeah. online this year. Yeah, so we'll we'll see you there. Yeah, yeah, and I'm gonna miss you guys. Last year, that was such fun at the arcade. Your um, the whole theme last year, the retro arcade theme, and you guys broadcasting live from it and getting to meet all of you. So yeah, it's a shame in this COVID world we won't get to see each other. I was looking forward to getting to Florida and seeing everybody, um, but maybe next year we'll all be back together at ChannelCon. Yeah, hopefully so. Well, uh, Lee, thank you so much for taking the time with us today, and uh, and then in a couple of weeks when we see you on Spin It to Win It. So thanks for joining us. Looking forward to playing and winning. All right. I, I think uh, 
that that's my odds on bet for for the winner right there Steve, but we'll see <laughs> unless i'm disqualified before we start <laughs> yeah, well yeah i mean justin is the host i don't know that he makes the rule i don't know he may just cut my sound off right in the middle of the show right like uh lee we can't what what was that you said v <laughs> no there's no v sorry lose a turn <laughs> w this time that's crazy still wrong <laughs> we will see uh all right well thank you so much lee and uh and thanks all for watching but stay tuned we've got more technado with don Bazette coming up right after this break This is Josh. Josh spent $2,500 on a week of classroom training for CompTIA A plus and got certified. Josh got a good job that pays $40,000 per year. This is Jeremy. Jeremy only spent $299 on a full year of training from IT Pro TV, including A plus and 300 other courses. Jeremy also got a great job that pays $40,000 per year. Jeremy used the more than $2,200 he saved on IT training for a fabulous tropical vacation. Now Jeremy is still using his IT Pro TV membership to study for Network Plus and Security Plus to advance his career, but not spending any more money. Since all three are included in his IT Pro TV membership plus 300 more courses. Don't be like Josh. Choose IT Pro TV for your IT training. All right, welcome back to TechNado with Don Pazette and thank you to Lee for joining us and uh, congratulations on all those certs. I don't uh, Don, what are you missing cert wise there? Oh, I'm missing Back a lot you. of them. I have uh, A+, plus, Net+, plus, Security+, plus, and Linux+. Plus. I think I actually have Project+, plus also. So there's still a handful of others that I don't have. I owe CompTIA two certs. <laughs> I'm, I'm negative. Yeah. Yeah. I'm in the They're like, Justin, can you get us a couple of certs back to us? I'm like, I never got one. They're like, no, we need additional ones because you're horrible. Yeah. 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 I was but talking to Lee last year, and I said, I, I don't know that I can do them all. And he was like, oh, yeah, you got it. You should do them. It, it won't be hard. Uh, and then I went and looked at, like, the cost of taking each exam. It adds up. <laughs> so, $80,000. you got to spread that over time. <laughs> well, he works there sometimes as an instructor, so maybe, you know, he was, yeah. there's a little coupon code or something. <laughs> Could ask that. All right. Well, Inferioritycomplex.com. I don't know. That's, yeah. It makes me feel inferior because I'm like, he has a lot of certs. Yes. Like the CISSP, is that a hard one? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Is the, the CISA a hard one? CISA was, it was, it was pretty hard and the newest iteration of it is going to be even harder. I think we're legally obligated to say none of them are easy and that you need training. Uh, well, obviously Pe it's a relative like Yeah. yeah. Peter, do you have any? Or not. Uh, that's that's a no. Okay, okay, I don't either. Do the IT fundamentals? IT fundamentals, yeah. yeah. Oh, you do. Never I, I never tests. took it. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the two gingers don't have CompTIA. Luckily, I've forgotten all the It things. was the taste your own dog food, not eat it. Sample. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, it's is salty. This all Roy? It is salty. Well, you know, uh, uh -oh. we do have a tech news segment to get to. Uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. <laughs> all right. Our first article is over at CNET.com. Intel reveals details on Thunderbolt 4. It'll bring universal ports and cables to computers. All right. So um, seeing how I only have uh, USB-C and, yeah, it doesn't all work. So, so this is good for me, right? All right, so last year we reported on Thunderbolt 3, and I complained vociferously. <laughs> That's my big word of the day. Oh, I'm looking that up. Um, about how confusing the state of Thunderbolt was at the time. It was a gigantic mess. And so if you had a laptop with a little mark on it that had Thunderbolt, first off, it was hard to tell if you even had Thunderbolt 3 support. Then whether you had uh, alternate mode for graphics, whether it had the 5 or 10 gig or 20 gig bandwidth on it, there were all these different things that you just couldn't tell by looking at the port anymore. And so I thought at some point things would get better, and they really haven't. So <laughs> Intel announced the details on Thunderbolt 4, uh, which was supposed to be announced at CES. Um, or I guess it was announced at CES back in January, and now is just starting to reach to where you might actually be able to buy it. Uh, so it is designed really for one purpose, to take all of the BS that Thunderbolt 3 released and roll it into one simple standard. So really, Thunderbolt 4 is what Thunderbolt 3 should have been. Thunderbolt 3 could do up to 40 gigabit per second. Thunderbolt 4 can do up to 40 gigabits per second. So it's not an increase in speed, but Intel claims that it is the most future-proof Thunderbolt ever uh, and that it is collapsing. I, I wish we could, well, for our viewers, maybe you'll be able to see this, but for our listeners, you won't. Um, they basically take 
12 different types of USB-C port and roll it all into one standard now. But then their little slogan is, just look for the Thunderbolt. If you see a Thunderbolt next to a USB-C port, then that means you'll have the support for all these crazy things. The problem is they've used that Thunderbolt to represent Thunderbolt 1, yeah, 2, same. 3. Yeah, so the Thunderbolt means nothing at this point. Well, there's a 4 on that picture as well uh, of the of the picture of the cable they have. Is there... Maybe there's going to be a on, four on the cable, but not on the port. Like I've got cables that have the oh, three so on them. That, okay. Yeah. yeah. Does anybody else have an issue with the phrase "future proof"? Yeah. <laughs> like anytime someone goes, "It's future proof," except for that thing that will supplant this in the future. Not even the term "future proof" is future proof. Yeah, it's yeah. like the why did you already reserve Thunderbolt5.com? <laughs> and, and, and for for a moment, I thought Don was going to get takes all the crap that was Thunderbolt 3 and rolls it up into a bigger ball of crap. Accurate statement. Accurate uh, statement. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, is this, so I know we had a, an issue for a while with like Thunderbolt, USB-C, does it support video, does it not? Is this going to alleviate some of that as far as like cabling and all that? Or am I still going to have to be like, well, hold on a second. Look. That's, that's the plan, is that if you have a USB 4, Four, I mean, a Thunderbolt 4 port, and see here I'm screwing up USB-C versus Thunderbolt, uh, but if you have a Thunderbolt 4 port, that it will handle not only 40 gigabit speed transfers, so very high data rate transfers, it will also support the display port mode and alternate mode, and it will do um, charging, so it'll support charging over that port as well. So all the mysterious things that make up the crazy mixture today, right? Like you might have a straight storage port, you might have one that's straight charging, one that's storage and charging, one that's uh, USB 4 versus USB 2 versus USB 3. Like, it's all supposed to be wrapped into one, and this now becomes the one port to rule them all. I, I noticed it also says that it'll support up to two 4K displays or one 8K displays, which brings me to my, my real question. Can can y'all tell a difference between all of those, or am I? Do I need to go get my eyes checked? I don't think the human eye can really get that far. I mean, it's more the refresh rate to me at a certain point. Yeah, I read a whole article about it that was saying at 8K, it's really pushing the limits of what a human eye can detect, and it doesn't really make sense to even go beyond that. But it does kind of come down to the size of the monitor. If you've got a really big monitor, then you can tell the difference between 8K and 4K. But if it's a small monitor, they look the same. Okay. That's what I thought. I didn't think we had the lateral resolution on smaller screens as far as our eye goes to really yeah. tell much of a difference. And so I was like, I, I noticed that in some of these new ports, they're always like, look how many 4K monitors it can push or graphics cards or anything like that. So so in theory, like they have those big LED TVs now that come in the square panels. So you could take a wall in your home and just make it one big TV. And at that point, you're going to want 8K, maybe <laughs> even 16. Well, no, let's skip 16, right? It'll go to 32. I forget how the numbers work on that. Isn't it a power of twos? I have no idea. That's math. Stop with this. Because the power of twos and sixteens in there. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> like you're talking about people with money. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. is true. Because I ain't buying 4K TV. Well, I guess I do have a 4K TV. But I'm not getting an 8K TV. Yeah, I ain't but I don't pay for 4K streaming, and that's what matters. That's right. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to our production team and find out when we're going to be uh, pushing out Technado in, in 4K. HDR. We need HDR. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah, we'll just skip over and go right to HDR. And 3D. 8K. 3D. 4D. 4D. We'll come well, to your home. Smell of vision. Smell of it. <laughs> you, you, I was like, it's going to smell. By the way, the, when I'm in this room, y'all should turn off my smell channel. Yeah, <laughs> the fans just pushing it around. The yeah, back. yeah, it's just buckets. Woo. All right. All right. Our, our next article is from Pharonix.com. Uh, Fedora approves of making Nano the default terminal text editor. Other features accepted. Boo. Yes. <laughs> Boo. Yes. Oh, can we, can we do a point counterpoint here? Yeah. All right. Uh, we actually had this conversation earlier. Yeah. We were just we'll like, do it on the show. Well, you didn't. You weren't rolling. <laughs> I, I picked this article because I knew that jihads could be committed over this one. So <laughs> oh, yes. I am curious where Daniel and Justin fall on this one. All right. So, Daniel, you, you were happy? Well, we're probably a little more moderate than we make it out to be. But when it comes, to, like, I gave up uh, Vim or VI or whatever. Because of going, holy dog balls, why do I have to push this and that and do this and do this to, to make it do something simple like, I don't know, type, you know, and then it show up on the screen and actually stay. And then I loved making macros. There was a lot of very difficult things that even though I'd been a Vim user for quite some time, that it just it would still become frustrating from time to time. And then I started messing with Nano and it was like, Nano file. Oh, and I type in it does stuff. Control X, save, I'm done. So for basic functionality, Nano wins hands down because it's just much more user-friendly. So it makes sense to push the user base to something that's 
a little easier to get your feet wet in when you just want to type something out. If you want to do more deep editing, Vim is a, a phenomenal alternative, and but you're going to have to spend some time learning how it works, and then you're going to get some spend some time being frustrated by it, and then you're going to spend some time being a snob and going, Vim is the only amazing text editor. All right, because so, it is. So, Daniel, what I'm hearing is that you're too dumb for Vim, and so you like Nano. Ah, I like Justin, convenience. counterpoint. All right, so, <laughs> I mean, Vim... I will concede the learning curve for Vim is pretty high. Like, how Wait, do I type? <laughs> I type an A, which is an append, a shift A. That's the end of the line append. Well, which one lets you type? All of those. Well, can I use the arrow keys? Kinda. Maybe. <laughs> Kinda. Uh, depends on what mode you're in. Uh, well, how do I move? HJKL. Uh, well, how do I how do I delete? DDDW. Five DW. That's five line or five words. Yeah. So I. But because of those same things, I find it incredibly powerful. I'm also, I, I wouldn't say I'm awesome, but I'm a fairly proficient Vim user. Um, and I like it because in previous experiences, Vim was there. And so I learned how to navigate Vim very well. And, you know, just at a very superficial level, and it made me proficient. It is one of those things where I now have trouble when I'm in Nano of going, oh, HJ, and I'm like typing the, the letters, HJKL. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, no, that's... That, but on the flip side, escape colon WQ, right? That's this sounds. I, I you know not knowing what the heck we're talking about. <laughs> uh, I'm got I've got to side with Daniel on this because it sounds like <laughs> Justin's describing like a court stenographer's yeah. uh, you know keyboard. So, but here's the thing: if we make Nano the default, how are we going to gatekeep all the people out of doing technology? <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's a part of it, really. Like for me, you know, Nano is pretty awesome. Nano is very powerful. You can search, replace, you can do all the various things with it, uh, and it's it's easy. But I've got 25, 30 years of experience with Vim at this point. And so that, that learning curve is gone for me and it's kind of become rote memory. But one thing for me that was always a big deal was that it's in the Linux file system standard that slash, or not Linux, it's in the POSIX compliance, I think, that slash bin slash VI has to be mapped to an editor. And so you could always count on it being there versus Nano that wasn't always there. But now that we're seeing, like Canonical and Ubuntu did this years ago, Debian did it, uh, you had uh, several other distros, Linux Mint, you know, they all went Nano a long time ago. So now seeing Fedora go Nano means that Red Hat and CentOS will follow soon. So in the next two years, really every distro is going to have this as an editor that's available, maybe even the default. And that can just be remapped to VI being the Nano executable, right? Yeah, in fact, it is in, uh, in Ubuntu. Which is wrong, but, you know, it's there. Um, it because is. it's technically not VI. Yeah, right? so, like, well, so it, it, to put it in perspective, Peter, so even text editors that aren't Vim or VI, I turn on Vim plugins, so I still get the key bindings, just because... You're used to that. Yeah, I'm used to it. Yeah. I feel very proficient, <laughs> and it has made me faster. As far as like navigating files, that's and fast. Making... I mean, the amount of things you have to type to just—it's yeah. not faster to get faster. Right? Yeah, it's so not that... faster to get faster, but once you're there, you're fast. If you've ever seen like a, a true yeah. Vim power user, it's almost nosebleed. You're Happily, yeah. Yeah. now yeah. if somebody were just getting started today, though, is it even worth it to learn Vim anymore? <sighs> you know, it depends on what you... in the developer community, right? There's the whole Emacs Vim. Oh yeah, that's a match. holy war. Right? We haven't even um, talking about Emacs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's like Space Max, which is like Emacs with Vim key bindings. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy, uh, which is fun. A lot of those have plugins and can do a little more. They have this ecosystem. I use NeoVim, which is a rewrite of Vim that provides the ability to have like asynchronous plugins. Uh, so I can do like linting, editing, testing, all these other things inside of Vim. And I don't have to open up like PyCharm or uh, JetBrains or anything like that where oh, look, I opened this editor. That is four gigabytes of memory now right. being used. So that's just me. I don't think you can see Peter's face right now. I can, and I, I will <laughs> vouch. Delays. I'm going to vouch for Justin. Those were all real words. Yeah, I can't. I can't. I'm like, is he making this up? Did you say pie brain? Yeah. Pie chains. Jet brains. The jet brains company. They, they build a bunch of editors, but they're all Java-based, so when you open them up, they immediately start chewing memory. Yeah. It's, it sounds like that fake like uh, owner's manual thing that's online <laughs> where they're just like saying ridiculous words. That... And when the carburetor got into the old haystack. Exactly. Yeah. I, like, is he, is he still, is that for real what he's saying? Yeah. All right. Well, I've never been happier to move on to the next article, which is over <laughs> at securityboulevard.com. 
billions of leaked credentials available on the dark web. And to me, I mean, is this is this a revelation? Isn't that what what's on the dark web? Is billions of of uh, of leaked credentials. I just want to throw back that Peter's happy about this. That's what he just said. He's like, I'm happy this is happening. He's the one selling them. Yeah. Yeah. I'm making that, that money. money. I'm about to quit Technado, yo. <laughs> I'm going to build a swimming pool on Pool Kings based off of that, that internet. Document. Yeah, don't even need paid. to know them key bindings. Well, wait, no, wait, it, our last article is going to change your opinion on that. But for, first, let's talk about this one. So, so why is this new? Is it, is it just that we've crossed the billions threshold? No, what's significant is that uh, a couple of hacking groups have come out recently saying that they're selling tons and tons of credentials. And most of them have been aggregated credentials from previous known hacks, right? So known leaks that have come out. So that's not really significant, but what researchers are finding as they study some of this is they're finding uh, credential databases that weren't reported before. And one of the challenges that's kind of coming to light here is, you know, we hear about these companies get hacked, like um, uh, Equifax, right? A huge data breach, all these customers, millions and millions of people's information leaked out online, right? We know about it. It stinks. Obviously, they didn't uphold the highest level of security possible. But what we don't think about is, how many companies get hacked and we never know about it, right? Uh, an organization could get hacked into, their database could be fully compromised, and if they're not investing in security, they're probably not investigating or investing in like network monitoring. So they don't know they've been compromised and their whole credential database gets leaked online. And so that's what's significant here is that um, in recent days, uh, weeks, there have been a huge flood of credentials being released on the black market inside of the dark web. Uh, various sites like, uh, what's the big market? Empire or whatever it's called, um, where you know you can go and buy these massive databases. And so it, it looks like hacking is continuing to get more and more and more aggressive while most of us are in shutdown. And so I, it's almost kind of becoming a hacker field day. And, and what was really interesting uh, in, in my perspective about the article was it was talking about how it's not like they're performing password spraying attacks against these entities and, and gaining access that way or, or doing any of the other credential stuffing or whatever the case is. They're like, I would like access to Netflix. Oh, okay. That will cost you X amount of dollars. Here you go. And here is administrator credentials to XYZ company because we have that. So they're not even guessing. They're just buying credentials that gives them access, uh, administrative access immediately. And they, they log yeah. in and they do things. So quick question. If I pretend I'm not compromised, does that inherently mean I have not been compromised? Like, if I don't know about it, that means it didn't happen. Right? Correct. Okay. Well, I mean, you, you've still been compromised. Like, the fact of the matter is there. But you would be GDPR compliant because oh. according to GDPR... <laughs> as soon as you know. You have to do 72 hours of notification yeah. upon detection. So if you haven't detected, you're in the clear. So what you're telling me <laughs> is, is to never read any of these right. articles, and I'm always in the clear. Stop monitoring. <laughs> <laughs> Turn it off. By the way, anybody listening, I'm joking. Yeah. Stop. Don't do that. Justin says, ignorance is bliss. <laughs> yeah, I've gone the other way, where I've actually gone on the dark web and sold my own data just to get out in front <laughs> of Get that money. Like, you know, if someone's yeah. going to get paid, you know, like, it says I can get 70 bucks for, uh, you know, financial ranking. For us. There's less than that in the account. I got one of those. It's like, hold on, there's there's $40 in the account and they'll give me $70 for access to the account. I made 30 yeah, bucks. I'm this is this. like selling gift cards. <laughs> exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, my Netflix password, I sold that for seven bucks. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's all out there. So, you know, if someone's going to profit from this, might as well be me. So, real quick, could I sell my Netflix password, let someone log in and immediately change it? I was going to say the exact same thing. You just... Change I'm the password. Pretty sure you could sell the password with a fake password from the very beginning. Yeah, I don't think there's a whole the... verification thing yeah. here. Oh, I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to screw over people on the dark web. Next thing you know, I'm being sold. And <laughs> like actually well, physically sold. <laughs> Not just his info, but just, well, this is yeah. odd. All Next I wanted to do was market. make a, a quick few just. dollars, and you're taking this overboard. If I'm being honest. <laughs> Uh, Just getting that secret and shut up. <laughs> Air uh, holes, please. Uh, yeah. So I bought Peter's information off the dark. Yeah. Sorry That's about that. Odd viewing habits. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you my real network. That'd be fun, though, to then, uh, you know, as long as they don't go and change the password to see what they get, what, what they're watching. Maybe yeah. you can find a friend that way. Oh, um, this is <laughs> not, a not, a, not a news article, but uh, it was on Hacker News that uh, a guy created a website called, like, I know what you're downloading.com. Nice. I know you downloaded.com. Anyhow, it's a website you go to, and it looks at your IP address, and it then uses the distributed hash tables for BitTorrent to show torrents that were downloaded from that IP address. 
Well, it had the extra effect that you could type somebody else's IP address to see. see and <laughs> so it's kind of a fun little experiment. So, uh, <laughs> so, so, so Peter said, I might find a friend on the dark web. Yeah. Also, I'm going to rob a liquor store because I hear that prison is a good place to find a friend. Yeah, that's right. Looking for a roommate? A lot of good social networking there. Yeah, yeah. yeah they do roommate matching. There. Yeah, oddly, they segment themselves in very particular social networks, <laughs> yeah. also known as prison gangs. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Join early. Yeah. Join often. Yeah. What's your <laughs> thoughts on tattoos, Peter? Yeah. Uh, of the neck, neck and up. It's yeah, as long as it's on the face. Right? Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. All right. Uh, next up from it-lashdot.org. Cops sees server that hosted blue leaks. Uh, DDoS secrets says that's a hard thing to say. DDoS secrets because there's only one S in DDoS secrets. Well, there's two S. Yeah, the one at the end. So uh, blue leaks uh, is the leak of a massive amount of information collected from police and sheriff's departments across the United States in response to the events going on in Chicago and other places right now. Uh, the DDoS secrets, or however we say that, um, that site, if you haven't heard of them, they are kind of a new version of WikiLeaks. So, you know, Julian Assange with WikiLeaks, they used to get data from whatever sources they could and then make it publicly available, allowing people to get some insight into what their governments were doing. So uh, WikiLeaks has been pretty severely impacted over the last few years with Julian Assange being imprisoned. So DDoS Secrets has kind of stepped in to take the mantle. And unfortunately, their servers were seized by an unusual group. Uh, they, you know, they are operating kind of in international waters. So there's a number of different agencies that can target them. And in this case, um, I th maybe the article I'm on doesn't say, oh, it does say it. Uh, they were seized by authority of the Department of Public Prosecution Zwickau, Z-W-I-C-K-A-U. That might be Polish, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not familiar with that city or country. Uh, but yeah, so they've been dealt a little bit of damage. The organization, like none of the people have been arrested, and they've got plenty of other servers. They'll probably be stood back up again soon. It says a German town. Oh, German. All right. Yeah. I was close. Poland. Yeah. It was. Rivers. It probably used to be Poland. <laughs> it's, it's a. Uh, that's unfortunate. Um, for some reason, when when Don said an odd group, I thought Canadian Mounties. <laughs> they just rode in on those moose, Mounties, and they're. I they don't know why the they're on moose. Yeah. And they're like, give me that server. And it's out in the middle of the water. Do you have to do it with like a, a French-Canadian accent? Now I'm thinking of the Mounties are in, in Germany. Some <laughs> why are you here taking our computer? So you do see these from time to time, like the Republic of Sealand, or there were the people that set up in that cement bunker we reported on a, a few months ago where they think they can set up these uh, untouchable data centers. And it turns out they're really nowhere is untouchable right now. So they'll evade and move to different places, try and host their data wherever they can, but it's just a cat and mouse game. That's why you got to put it in the cloud. There you go. <laughs> That's fine. That if only the cloud were a real thing uh, yeah. <laughs> and not just a marketing term. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay. My bad. Uh, yeah, well... That's fun. So is the site just completely down now, or did have they moved yet? That was their primary download server, so they're on like a backup download server now. So if you try and download stuff, it's super slow, uh, and they're working to repair. And actually, I haven't checked today, so they might be back up. But, uh, you know, whether, whether you support their efforts or whether you don't, uh, it just goes to show that uh, law has their eyes on the activities of these servers. There you go. All right. Well, uh, our next article is actually a whole new segment. Don has mentioned before how how happy I get uh, when hackers are actually caught and uh, and put behind bars. So we said let's make a new segment called Behind Bars. So here we go. Break the law, and you'll go to jail. Possibly. <laughs> well, Break this, the this law. Article covers the people, or this segment just covers the people that <laughs> oh, do go to jail. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> that would be funny if it was maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Break the law, and you'll if get, you get probation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this one uh, we found on CNN.com. He flaunted private jets and luxury cars on Instagram. Feds used his post to link him to alleged cyber crimes. And this guy's name is Hush Puppy uh, yeah. with an I. Ray Hush Ray Hush Ray Hush Puppy. Hush Puppy. So <laughs> let me ask you a question before we talk about yeah, this please, article. Go ahead. Someone comes up to you on the street, they go, I'm Ray Hush Puppy. Can mm -hmm. I interest you in a business venture? Yes. <laughs> I'm going to go with you're a criminal. 
<laughs> Does your car license plate say Hush Puppy with an, <laughs> with an eye? Are you wearing a robe that says yeah. Hush Puppy with an eye? A yes. Versace robe. Oh, yeah. I am in, yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the pictures this guy is posting online are basically like the rich kids of Instagram on steroids, um, you know, all the shopping bags and things like that. But those are actually the things that the feds used uh, to to track him down, uh, able to go and and you know see the shops that he shopped at and uh, the places that he uh, that he was because he was posting all these things and uh, they finally caught the guy who what what was the number uh, it was like forty something forty one million dollars uh, was seized along with thirteen luxury cars worth about six point eight million uh, and phone and computer evidence uh, over in Dubai and he was turned over to the Americans. So the interesting part on this, so the guy was part of a various cybercrime efforts and I think they mentioned that some of it was uh, business email fraud, uh, BEF or whatever they're calling that these days. Uh, but they said that um, they seized about $41 million and the pictures he's showing, I don't think you could live this lifestyle on $41 million alone. So there's well, one just picture. cash on hand. He's got, well, I guess that's a good point. Now, they didn't say how much digital assets he had because he's got like a Bentley, a Rolls Royce, a Versace bathrobe. And it turns out there's not a lot of people in this world that buy all these things and so they're able to track him down pretty easily. Uh, he's in a private jet where he's in a bed with like a Louis Vuitton sheet, which I thought they made leather stuff. Apparently they make sheets too. Um, and you can see the pilots in the background. Like this guy is flaunting an insane amount of wealth. And he and his team have been defrauding people across the planet, I guess, just unchecked up until now. So what I thought was interesting is if you read the article, essentially because he was all over the Internet, right, flaunting his wealth because he wanted people to look at him, uh, they, like, used a birthday cake to figure out how old he was uh, to, like, try to pinpoint. Like, they built this profile. They found, like, a recovery email that was part of, like, some of the schemes that were used. And... I think it actually validates that you should never put anything online. There you go. Yeah. Why are we right? using this internet? If I'm a multi-billion dollar like cyber criminal, you're not even going to know that I exist. There are some that say we should never put this podcast online. You know what? But we're not defrauding people. <laughs> <laughs> we're upfront about our intentions. <laughs> Uh, what what was interesting to me is kind of the the circumstances of the arrest. So he was tracked down in Dubai, and he was arrested by the uh, uh, the police in Dubai, who basically then just handed him directly over without any indictment in Dubai, a trial in Dubai, or anything like that. So um, kind of scary for uh, going to Dubai. And his uh, attorney is actually calling his arrest a kidnapping uh, because of this. So um, interesting due process. Not saying that the guy should. Well, get out. But. Dubai is a kingdom, right? They have a king? Sure. I think yeah, they, I, like a real honest-to-goodness king, so I don't think you have due process yeah, when you I'm, have a king. I'm pretty, at the very <laughs> minimum, even if they don't have a king, I'm pretty sure they don't have the same due process laws in Dubai as, no, I don't as think the so. United States has. Also, does any of us here on the podcast have an appropriate amount of money to go to Dubai to worry about said things? No. 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 Uh, it's just like a $2,000 plane ticket, right? Yeah, and then you get there, and they're like, would you like a $5,000 cheese sandwich? Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> when you said it, I was like, well, I'm, I could get to Dubai. I'm not yeah, trying to Aaron flaunt Don my wealth, but I can Dubai. buy a plane Then you start <laughs> panhandling. <laughs> I got a credit card, but you're, you're absolutely right. Once you get there, I can't yeah. buy McDonald's. Yeah. <laughs> says, uh, he's also accused of conspiring to steal $124 million, uh, from an unnamed English Premier League soccer club, but it's unclear whether the attempt was successful. I feel like we would have heard about it if it was. So, have, real quick, yeah. if if he's like flaunting all this, which seems dumb to me, it's very dumb. How is he smart enough to pull all this? Like, does he just know the people? Like, how is he like, part of this? Is he doing the hacking, or is he part of the hacking? Like, but even if he's just like part of it, sending like some emails. How does he know that? Like, how to go about doing it? Because it seems like. If I was smart enough to do that, I would be smart enough not to put it on Instagram. So I, I got the impression that he was the schmoozing element of this. So it was a, a business email compromise, right? So that's where they they find some way to socially engineer and get into the mailbox of typically somebody in accounting so they can send a fraudulent invoice and transfer, you know, send wire transfers to the wrong place. So you need somebody to be able to get in and talk and learn, you know, what are the names of people in accounting? What What's the CEO's name? What's the CEO's wives and kids' names? So if if this guy's coming in in a Bentley and fancy clothes and stuff, it's probably easy for him to, to start meeting some of the higher up people in those uh, in those organizations. That That's the impression that I got. He, he was can look around the restaurant and go, well, these are the people I should be targeting because they're probably the people that pay a $100,000 yeah. invoice without batting an eye. Or you're in the air-conditioned box seats at a soccer match. 
and there you going, go. Yeah, 124 million. I could get out of this easy. <laughs> so yeah, I, I thought something about soccer, but I'm not going to do it because I might offend my international. So Dubai doesn't have a king; they have a sheik, uh, who is effectively a king. It is a, uh, a monarchy. monarchy. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Huh. Huh. Well, um, I don't know why, but I just thought of how Papa Smurf would respond to this. It's just like banishment. Yeah. No, he'd be like this mother Smurfer. Yeah. <laughs> Did the LSD just kick in for Daniel? <laughs> I told Garkamel's you before, been man. been running around this month. My brain We've been on the show does like these minutes. weird left turns from time to time. Okay. And that's what happened in there today. I think it's funny. That's where you call out the mind-altering psychedelics. <laughs> Not the fact that I was imagining Canadian Mounties on moose right. riding across the water. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> not the most character for you. Oh, okay. That's, but that was that's plausible, right, right? Like, Mounties and moose are real things. <laughs> <laughs> Smurfs are real. Uh, there used delicious. to be an ice bridge connecting Russia to Alaska, and they could have just gone right over that bad boy. Been been waiting, but uh, <laughs> all right. Well, that's a fun story and a, and a new segment. I'm sure we'll hear more of behind bars. So, um, hey, I mentioned earlier in the show when we had Leon, we've got the Spin It to Win It event coming up. That is Friday, July 31st. If you head over to go.itpro.tv/spin-it, you can um, get more information about that, add it to your calendar, and join for free if you haven't already. So you can watch uh, as Justin hosts and tries to embarrass our guests as they all just lose turns uh, back to back. So it should be fun. You shouldn't uh, give away what the... the, the game I gave away the whole show. Like, how like, yeah. like, hmm, yeah. I did. Well, you'll get to see it. That's an inside track. Uh, all right. And uh, also we've got a webinar coming up with Daniel. Uh, if you head over to itpro.tv slash webinars, you can see the next one is Secure Your Future with CompTIA Certs, a guide to security certifications from CompTIA. Uh, that is Thursday, July 23rd. And it's you can rock. It is going to rock. Yeah. And you can register for that there at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, you can also see all the past ones we've done, the, the most recent uh, CompTIA one that we did. FYI, going to yeah. hack something. So that's Yeah, we're going to do a live uh, pen testing demonstration actually during uh, this as well. So that should be interesting. Well, uh, are you going to attack me? <laughs> no, uh, the idea is we're going to look at the, all the certifications, security certifications that are available from CompTIA, kind of what they cover, go over those. And then we're going to take some... Um, content that you would see in Pentest Plus and basically recre recreate that on the webinar so you can kind of get an idea, get a taste of what that looks like and uh, see that, that kind of content that I we deliver it. in our course library. That's what the people love to see. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to sell all of Peter's information. <laughs> yeah. No, I've already sold it. You can't, you yeah, can't sell it. It's already sold. <laughs> I can double bill. That's <laughs> used. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. So that's over at itpro.tv slash webinars. Uh, be sure to check that out. And finally, head over to learn, or excuse me, to go.itpro.tv slash technado, where you can learn um, all about itpro TV's uh, plans. We have a seven-day free trial as well as a 30% off coupon code for the lifetime of your subscription to ITPRO TV. Uh, you can also request more information and a team trial uh, for your business to find out all the cool things available to businesses like the Pro Portal and things like that at uh, ITPRO TV. Uh, that's over at go.itpro.tv slash technado. All right, well, uh, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you to Lee for joining us today. Uh, had, had a lot of fun and, and didn't get too far off the rails this time. So, uh, good work. Any closing thoughts? I think we should wrap up with the Smurf song. I was going to say Smurfy. <laughs> Let's just say that that's Parker, play the music. We're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Roll, yeah. Can we do play a, us uh, off? Yeah. Like, yeah. What, is it? what is that uh, derivative work, right? We can do yeah, a derivative work. Sure. Yeah, if, if we sing it. Yeah. Is it just because uh, you're wearing a blue shirt on a blue background today? Maybe that's what it was. Maybe you're just kind of in that mind. You know what? I'm going to go home and watch me some Smurfs. You should. That's what's up. The, yeah. Not the live action movie. Yeah. Right. Put the kids to no, bed and watch no, some no. Smurfs. Put the kids to bed, my boy. I remember a robot chicken where Gargamel finally got a hold of a Smurf oh, no. to eat him. And he was like, <laughs> and then scraped scra <laughs> <laughs> He's like, effort. this is bad. Yeah, these things are horrible. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much, everybody, for watching. And we'll see you next week right back here on Technado with Dr. Zep.